Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Redefining Security podcast. Have you ever thought that we are selling cybersecurity insincerely, buying it indiscriminately, and deploying it ineffectively? Perhaps we are. So let's look at how we can organize a successful InfoSec program that integrates people, process, technology, and culture to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. iTrust is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. Learn more at HighTrustAlliance.net. Archer empowers organizations to manage multiple dimensions of risk on one platform with on-premises and software-as-a-service offerings and quickly implement industry standard processes and best practices for advanced risk management maturity, informed decision-making, and enhanced business performance. Learn more at archerirm.com. Diana. Paula. <laughs> no, you're supposed to say Sean. That's how it goes. <laughs> I guess you're new to this game, but uh, <laughs> this is how we usually start a conversation and then we dig in. And it, this, is, uh, this, is, this is fun. This is new, Sean. We have, yeah. a, we have a new co-host. We have a, we have a full house here today. And, uh, yeah. and we're, as you pointed out, Marco, we're, we're going to be digging up into the cloud. We're flying up instead of digging down. We're flying up. That's right. That's right. And uh, we're going to be looking at uh, a book today. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff on cloud, no, no doubt. Um, I don't think there's much on, if anything, on uh, until this book anyway, on threat hunting in the cloud. So that we're so maybe maybe it's clamming or phishing in the cloud. I don't know. <laughs> what the analogy is going to be, but uh, we have two of the three co-authors with us, and Diana actually wrote the foreword for the book, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, so we're we're going to dig into this topic why why it's important, what's in the book, who should read it, all that good stuff. And uh, Abbas Kadrati and Benil Palai, thanks for uh, joining, and uh, let, let's have some fun with this conversation. Pleasure. All right, so let's get it started. And and uh, Abbas, first of all, we we met it seems million years ago. I know, and, uh, and we had actually a really cool conversation in Singapore with uh, with Diana as well. So it's kind of like a family reunion. And, and, and you brought you brought the, one of the co-authors of the book. So what I would like to start with it's from the beginning, which is the best part and the best place to start, which is. Abbas, a little introduction about yourself, then maybe you pass the ball to uh, Benil, and then we dig into the why and the how of the book. Sure, Marco. Thanks, everyone. Uh, so, hey, Abbas Kudrati. I'm a Chief Cybersecurity Advisor for Microsoft APEC, based in Melbourne, Australia, and I'm one of the co-authors for the book which we uh, created for Threat Hunting in the Cloud. Uh, what do you, Benil? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Binal from uh, Microsoft headquarters in Redmond, and I'm responsible for driving uh, uh, partner strategy and business development worldwide 
for security compliance and identity. And uh, I'm one of the author for this book. Thank you. And uh, you had a third co-author. Who, who wants to uh, give Chris his props, even though he's not on? Yep, I can, I can talk about Chris. So Chris Perry, who is one of the lead author for this particular book, uh, uh, he uh, idea came along with uh, Benil and Chris together. And uh, he used to work for Microsoft. Now he works with AWS uh, based in uh, Canberra in Australia. Nice, nice. So why this topic? Why this book? Why now? Yes, uh, so interesting. So both me and Chris had a, uh, we worked together in the past uh, for Asia Pacific region when I was in Singapore. And uh, so we used to connect pretty often to understand where cybersecurity is heading to and what are the challenges the customer is facing at the field level. Uh, so at one point we realized the fact that many customer wants to go to multi-cloud platform um, and leveraging Microsoft, AWS and many more. And how do they prevent and protect uh, 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 from a threat hunting standpoint, from third standpoint. So they don't have a unique solution or single solution to really manage multi-cloud platform from a third hunting standpoint. So that was one of the key driver for us to look at it and consider, hey, how do we really respond to that market question or customer question to provide some clarity as well as uh, from perspective to really consider, hey, here is the framework that you can leverage uh, even if you consider a multi-cloud platform for your data and if you're in customer, and this is giving you a much better scenario and uh, you know technical uh, know-how to really develop, right? That's one side of it. The other side, I've been working in Microsoft HQ for new product development for uh, cybersecurity, and threat hunting was one of the early discussion came into the consideration around 2017 timeframe. And it was very prominent that this is a very hot topic and we don't have a clear articulation of what's the solution for majority of the customer worldwide. So that giving me a little bit of pressure to consider, hey, you know, let's give some clarity and bring that to the everyone as a field audience, not only for Microsoft, but also for external audience, including those who are looking for developing their career in Microsoft, sorry, in, in cybersecurity, to, to learn and leverage this uh, threat hunting model for a long-term uh, career development standpoint. So if you put that frame and uh, develop the scope of this particular book and uh, talk to the Wiley and then everything became a history. So Great. Diana, actually, I was just going to pass the ball to you because at this point, you are the most qualified <laughs> of the yeah, three wow. co-hosts because uh, you know you know a little bit about the book already. So what, what's your first take on this? Well, my, my first take is that it's it's a very, very needed book. I was thrilled when when uh, Boss and Benil and Chris came and, and told me that they they were writing this book because it is a really it's a book that has been missing from the literature and it's really a critical book and that actually touches on something that Benil just said that I, I'd like I'd like to hear the, the author speak on which is um, talking about careers and people's careers in threat hunting because I've heard from a number of people that they they love threat hunting on prem but they find it boring or too challenging in the cloud, which is sort of interesting because that's kind of both sides of you know, boring or too hard. And I was wondering what makes it, why is it so different to threat hunt in the cloud versus on-prem? What, what makes it different? And then how is it even, is that even made even tougher when we talk about threat hunting multi-cloud? Yeah, Sorry. so uh, my, my pitch on this, uh, uh, I have been a CISO for a number of years and used to operate security operations center and a SIM solution on the on-premises. 
and when time came where people were started moving towards cloud and that's where the need came in it was very costly for me to run an on-premise stock and leverage all the data or logs which i have it on the cloud so there was a need to move towards the cloud and additionally if you look at it the sme market and a medium enterprise market they all try to leverage either on-prem sim or an outsource sim and they don't have that kind of a hunting capability and they're looking at the kind of threat we are seeing today like human operated ransomware and continuous phishing and the attacks what we get on the cloud you have to elevate your internal process to add an additional layer of service which we call threat hunting and as Benil and Diana were saying it's one of the career opportunity as well for individual what are you doing in your sim what services you are providing and typically what we see is either the log monitoring log analysis uh, pen testing and threat and vulnerability assessment. The next level to go to the maturity of your SOC or a SIM process is having a proactive threat hunting. That is where you will be able to find all the bad actors which are been there in your environment for 90 days minimum, as the research says, right? So that was a need. I thought, okay, those are the good stories. And coming from that experience SOC operating model, uh, which I had done in my past, I thought it's worth sharing that kind of a stories and have a case study within the book. And we have quite a few case study which were added in the book as well, yeah. the real life story. Yeah, just to add on to Abarth, I think as we called out in the book, uh, thread handling is a little bit of science and a little bit of art, right? And the human element is the one actually connecting the dots to really make it happen for uh, enabling security for the organization, governments, and eventually for consumers, right? I think that's where, uh, Dana, we walked in and looked at it. Basically, how do we bring uh, you know, people on the field, right, to understand this as well as learn about this, even particularly for those who wanted to build a career. And as uh, Abbas pointed out, there's a huge, we all know the fact, the scarcity uh, on the relevant resources to drive uh, not only threat handling, but also all up cybersecurity. And mm -hmm. related to the point, SOC, um, I think where we see a huge opportunity nowadays, the partners and everyone in cybersecurity offers um, um, endpoint detection services to the end customer. And they are likely to expand this more with a threat handling capability in the future. And there is a huge you know, spike for the need of new resources to walk in. And that's where we want to really encourage the fresh university graduates to look at it, this book as, a, as a, a Bible for them to learn and understand. And understand from the current scenario standpoint, they don't need, they don't need to look at I mean, what happened two years ago, what is happening right now. And this, bring, this book brings that up-to-date information for them to understand the context and immediately step into the market to support and build their career accordingly. And that's where we're trying to bring the storyline more uh, visible and up to date. And uh, I'm interested, and perhaps the book helps with this in some way, but is it possible and does it make sense for people with existing threat hunting experience to read this book and transition into threat hunting in the cloud? Or is it, or the things that, on-prem so specific and so tied to on-prem technologies that that this move is too complex for them and we're only looking at new people who have no lag of luggage or baggage on-prem uh moving to the cloud or is it just me thinking strange here no i think that's a good question so basically if you look at the book we are kind of uh, bringing one framework to leverage for all kind of cloud platform, which is a MITRE, right? MITRE framework. And that's actually the core, which is basically for people who knows cybersecurity, they know about MITRE framework. 
So we are trying to propose that as a fundamental framework and look at what are the tactics and techniques they can use it respective of what cloud platform they are. So the journey, the, the message that we're trying to come up with in the book is basically those who are in the field, they understand cybersecurity, but how do they play the role in a multi-cloud platform using the framework? That's the first part. The second part is basically where if you wanted to encourage uh, both not only from newcomers, but also board of directors to understand why they should prioritize uh, threat hunting part of cybersecurity strategy to really protect their organization from a long-term standpoint. So we are connecting the dot within the organization enterprise level, uh, keeping the responsibility not only from the uh, uh, SOC operation team or cybersecurity team, but also from the board of directors perspective and making sure we have a cohesive story and framework to leverage and build the platform and capability, human elements and technical architecture, everything from there. So that's uh, we're taking the journey throughout the book. It's a, it's a life journey where to start and how do we go? And like Abbas pointed out, we have some cool uh, you know, case studies, which is a you know, real case studies from the field we captured in that. We tied that directly with the tactics and techniques we explained for MITRA framework. So people understand how to contextualize. If I apply, if I want to take this particular tactic and techniques, and what are the things I need to worry about? And what can I learn from the case study? So I can really prevent making the case more solid from a cybersecurity and threat strategy that I want to develop for my team or organization. Abbas, go on, please. Yeah, Diana, after you. I have a few things, but after you. Abbas, I was going to ask you specifically about, at, for some of those case studies, any examples of where they really intersect very well with the MITRE attack framework so that they really show that connection that Benil was explaining? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you another interesting uh, thing. What I see in the region as a part of my role and, and uh, being a past experience as a CISO, I see that threat hunting is kind of a luxury service. And it is mostly of afforded by the top companies, big banks and big telcos, those who are running a large on-premise as well as cloud environment. And they use lots of point solution for that. And I have a dedicated team. And these are the only people who does kind of a proactive threat hunting. It is not affordable as uh, by small, medium company. So by, by introducing this book, what we are trying to highlight to all segment of the uh, uh, market, including small, medium, large, or even a smallest company who has five people in IT, they can leverage solution which are built on cloud and have a native capability. So they don't need to buy a separate solution. You have the tools from Microsoft, such as Defender and Sentinel, which has a, baked, a built in capabilities of threat hunting so you don't buy a separate service or anything else. You don't need to buy a separate thread feed. Of course, you can have more thread feed as per your industry requirement. If you are in the banking, then you can get feeds from the banking kind of a thing using taxi and other other, uh, other methods to bring those external thread feed. Otherwise, they can leverage what vendors provide. For example, Microsoft has more than 40 billion uh, trillion signals on, on a daily basis, and we get that thread feed within our product. So they can use this native product and do the threat hunting proactively as well. Uh, talking about the MITRE attack framework, and that framework is very well known by all red team, blue team, as well as pen tester. Yeah. They always try to look at within their SOC as well as map what kind of uh, attack techniques and, and uh, 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 things are being used by them. So we have mapped all these techniques, including our case study, which we have, which are some of the real life case studies I had gone through in my previous role. 
how an attacker had uh, got access to uh, 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 an account of an executive who did not have a multi-factor authentication and they got hang, hang, uh, hang on to one of the uh, exchange mailbox or his mailbox and from there they created a forward rule within the mailbox so any email going back and forth the CFO that attacker is getting a copy and how he uh, uh, changed the PDF invoice and sent it back to the customer and the money was transferred to his account. So there are many such interesting real life case studies which I had gone through in my career. Those have been added and mapped with the MITRE attack framework and showed them what they could have done differently to protect against these kind of threats and attacks. So I'm curious from a business perspective, uh, there is one thing, Abbas, that you say that caught my attention, that is a luxury service. <laughs> uh, I'm going to stop right there. Explain me a little bit more about that. And if I'm a business that don't have the luxury of threat hunting in the cloud, what do I do? <laughs> now you have. Because as I said, now the products are available. I'm, I'm talking about big companies who are leveraging or hiring a dedicated team of threat hunters mm. as they're doing a proactive service because they can't afford to do reactive. Small, medium and enterprise company, they would hire one of one of the big, big four consultants. They say, okay, come and do the assessment for us. They call it proactive assessment service. And if there is nothing happy, once in a year, they will call them. It used to be like a pen testing service five, 10 years back, right? You used to only get it done once in a year just mm -hmm. to take the compliance requirement or just to get an assurance. Threat hunting was similar uh, a few years back, but now you can leverage proactively and start hunting because the threats are real and they are there within the environment, what you learn from Colonial Pipeline and solar wind and many other attacks where attackers are already in the network. Assume breach mindset, as we call it, right? Got it, got it. So all cloud uh, created equal, Benil? Once you know how to threat hunt in one, can you do it in, in other clouds? Yeah, just jump in from one cloud to another. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it all depends on the uh, how much you are capable of building that, leveraging that framework, right? So that's the fundamental. So if you have the right framework, I think the cloud platform is not that much relevant here because you are you know how to use the framework respective of the platform you're playing with. That's key. The second thing I really rank it for uh, the human elements of threat handling. We have a dedicated session for that. Uh, you know, uh, about human elements of uh, threat handling, because that's key. You need to have the right resources in place to analyze the data points so that you can take the right action based on the insight you collected from different tools and techniques, right? So those two are fundamental. Use the right framework, build the right team, and if you build a right strategy to drive this, I think you are more successful in this journey. And again, the book we are providing is more, it's a practical guide uh, answering two questions. What is a framework? and where to start and how to really go from there to really complete the journey or transform the journey to make it much better. And to the point, uh, this is applicable both for enterprise as well as small, medium segment customer. Like they have a much low uh, capacity to manage this kind of complex scenario from a threat handling standpoint. And we are trying to cover some elements. How do we make it them special with the right level of support required, not only from product vendors, but also from a partners basically who can support SMB customer to really do a great job with a limited uh, investment size they could afford. So that's a, that's an interesting context uh, uh, that we have, you know, try to cover in this book. And, and really useful so that we can take this from, as Abbas was, was mentioning, you know, it, it is a luxury for, for very well-funded companies and make it something accessible to all, which is great. Um, one thing I was wondering about is 
when we go into we go into the different clouds, we have the different native tools. Maybe we need to learn the names, but it's the fundamentally the same. But when we extract that data out from those clouds, how do you normalize and get a picture of your whole organization? If you've got some stuff in GCP and some stuff in, in Azure, how, how do you threat hunt and bring all that information together in one? And Abbas, you're nodding, so let's start with you. On that one. <laughs> Absolutely. Very, very relevant uh, question, Diana. And that again goes back to Marco, Marco question, right? Can you jump from one cloud to another cloud for doing the hunting? And that's where you the ride the lightning. Comes. That's how you do it, Abbas. You ride the lightning. That's where the data feed comes into play, right? I talked about the uh, data feed uh, from from the hunting queries point of view, but for example, and I, I want to talk about the product in this case, although I don't want to. But for example, Microsoft Sentinel, right? It's a cloud native SIM, SOC, and a SOAR, uh, UV and a SOAR platform. Now that is a multi-cloud and a hybrid environment as well. So you can take a feed from Google uh, as well as AWS into the same Sentinel. And now that you have a hunting query, which we use, uh, 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 example, Custos query language, KQL. That's what the query language Microsoft has created. Using that hunting query language on Microsoft Sentinel, you are able to hunt proactively, either using an automation, using playbooks and runbook, what we have. We have Jupyter Notebooks and many other advanced feature capability. So you don't need to have a large team. You create the runbook and a playbook, make it automated, and it will go and hunt proactively against all your resources. Could be on-premise, could be Microsoft, could be Google, or could be AWS. And, the, and the, you can add more feed into the cloud as well. So it depends upon the services you are leveraging and how much automation and AI you are building into the capability for doing the proactive threat hunting. And, and just to add on to that point, Dan, I think we kind of called out that specific, you mentioned the point in our last chapter, which is future of threat hunting, where we called out the evolution of threat hunting tool, right? Uh, and as Abbas pointed out, uh, the SIM tool, uh, in some of the SIM tool doesn't provide the entire capability for threat hunting today. I think that's the future going to be, right? Uh, every product vendor wants to really fine tune their uh, SIM tool to extend that with more threat handling capability to the point you mentioned, pull all the information and the centralized platform or location, whatever you call it, and do the analysis to really make a meaningful outcome, right? Uh, and use it proactively to you know, detect you know, and protect your environment. So that's an interesting journey that we look at that every product vendor is going to focus. Um, some of them have like a Sentinel is an amazing one, no question on that. But I think every other product vendors will definitely focus to sharpen their tool to bring up to that stage. And that's going to be an interesting game. It is. It's like we finally got Sims pretty well deployed yeah. on prem, but now we need the cloud Sims to be able exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Funny, I just did another podcast on that topic. <laughs> um, I, I want to um, I want to point out that you guys weren't messing around with this book. I mean, there's a chapter of chapters. <laughs> if I counted correctly, eleven pages of contents that you're listing out in in uh, in your table of contents, which then leads you to the immense amount of data within the book. And talk to me about the structure because it looks like you first set the stage, as you pointed out, Benel, about the, the framework, right? Yeah. Giving some context that you could use throughout the rest of the, the book as a guide with then very specific 
situations that you describe, how to map that back to the framework, mapping it to a case study as well, yep. which to me gives this thing so much teeth. Uh, it, this isn't a fluffy book yep. by any stretch of the imagination. So talk to me about how that came together because it, it's page after page after page of all these things tied to AWS and Microsoft and GCP and, and all back to, to, to MITRE. So how, how did you come up with that strategy and, and what was the, the driver for that? Sure. So fundamentally, like I said, we wanted to really focus on the framework at the beginning of the book. That's where we spent a lot of time in terms of uh, take the right framework, that's first step, and identify the right tactics and techniques. That's where myself, Buzz, and Chris, we brainstormed many times to make sure that we pick the right uh, tactics and techniques that's applicable for many enterprises and uh, small, medium customers today. In the real- Even just that. Yeah. If it was a book just on that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> valuable. And then you exactly. go further. Correct. So we set the stage, and I think in the chapter three framework, and we handfully selected five specific uh, tactics and related scenario, which is techniques under each of these scenario uh, tactics. That was the first step. So we explain it, what it is, and how does it really happen in the real world with the case studies that Abbas explained earlier. So that was covered in chapter three. So at least just introduction of framework, introduction of tactics, and introduction of techniques, applicable techniques. And then we jump into a deeper side where we went all the way down on AWS side of on those techniques and tactics. And also we went to Azure deep down on those techniques and tactics. Those are the dedicated heavy part of the book. If you look at the middle portion of the book, at least around 200 plus pages are dedicated to those three, two sections. And then come to the tail end, we look at the other potential uh, cloud providers. GCP is a good example, Alibaba and a few others, Oracle. And just wanna make sure how they are transforming and evolving in the threat hunting side of it. Again, with the comparison with the framework that we had in mind, which is MITRE framework. So we just give perspective how these other players in the market are developing and, and, and evolving in their threat hunting framework or threat, threat hunting tactics. And we explained that in those chapters at the tail end. And then we ended up with a specific indication what could be the potential future of threat hunting from an evolution standpoint and what are the other key um, technology could really influence threat hunting in the future, right? So that we captured in the last chapter by giving a very clear perspective from all of the others point of view, uh, what are those technologies, how will that impact? And including we made some comments about potential regulations could happen in the future. Uh, regulators may come back to us saying that, hey, you know, you need to have a minimum threat hunting capability in your organization, and these are the guidance. This could happen in the future. So that's where I think we try to conclude the session in the, the whole book, giving a what's in a future view of our point of view or our thinking. If, if I must summarize it, it's in a three separate section. Part one, it's talk about what is threat hunting and why. Part two is the main meat or the how part of it, where we are going detailed chapter by uh, detail technology wise in terms of Microsoft and Azure capabilities and AWS capability, which is a uh, chapter number four and five and six and seven, four and five for Microsoft, six and seven for uh, uh, AWS. And the part three is what next and the future, what is available. So three parts in the book. 
All right, so we're going to get to the part the, of the future as the last question, because I like to go in a chronological order. <laughs> what do we need to look at now? So what, while you're writing the book, based on your experience, for the people listening now, what, what do, should we scare about in the cloud? What, what is there that we need to hunt nowadays? Okay, of course, hunting is all the bad, bad stuff and adversaries is what we need to look for. <laughs> But period. I mean, that's what we are looking for, right? And again, going back to the assume breach mindset, which is where we are, we are, everyone is thinking towards that it's not if, it is when. So you don't know how long the adversary is within your environment. And if you are not doing a hunting proactively, you are missing that particular uh, uh, visibility in, in your environment that Uh, sooner or later, it, it will pop up. So if you're not doing it, you are one step behind the attackers, I would say. So one thing that you said in the book is that threat modeling is the heart of threat hunting. And Marco, threat modeling is when you, you ask exactly the question you just asked, what could go wrong? So Benil, I was wondering if you could explain a little bit more about why is threat modeling the heart of threat hunting? And maybe what, what are the big animals you're hunting there too? <laughs> The scary one. I want to point out that a threat modeling expert asked that question, by the way. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's a very important one. Basically, it's kind of a looking at the maturity of the organization, right? That's very important because, uh, like I said, this book is a guide for uh, any kind of, uh, you know, audience. I mean, especially from enterprise or consumer or uh, SMB standpoint, right? So we wanted to give it opportunity for them to analyze where the maturity of my organization in threat hunting and cybersecurity in general, right? So we, uh, we call that out a specific uh, a maturity model for them to analyze where they stand. Are they stand in the lower side of the maturity or maybe somewhere in midterm or maybe in higher side of security? And then they can make a decision, how do I leverage the framework to start my journey, right? That's where we are trying to blend together. So when they know their maturity, they can better adopt the framework where to stand and how to really take the baby step or how do I accelerate my step to really better over the next 24 months or 12 months, right? And that's where I think, I think the maturity model is so important, which is so critical for every organization to really consider. And we call that out very well. And I think pretty much easy to adopt with a little bit of change management function within the organization level. Uh, so one last thing I want to ha highlight basically on the feature side of uh, threat hunting, right? So it's, it's a, there are many technology we call out uh, in the uh, feature side of technology, I mean, uh, feature of threat hunting. So it depends on the maturity of the organization, which one should be the right one they can consider. We don't want that a, a, a organization, which is probably uh, number one, number two maturity, look at an advanced technology for the future development, which is not really practical. So we want to give an opportunity based on what maturity they are and they can really make the right investment to advance their cybersecurity, especially threat hunting capability to put in the right context. And before we, we have a special, uh, a special part that we're going to add to this or include as part of this conversation. But before we do that, I want to, I want to point out the, the depth here and I, I can't do that. Only you guys can. So maybe pick a favorite scenario and we, we won't belabor this point with many different use cases, but is there one use case that stands out where it applies to pretty much any organization that should be threat hunting that you can say, here's how to look at this particular problem. Something from the book to kind of tease, tease folks with. 
I'm thinking of a, a case study. Uh, I'll, I'll give you again a real life example. So I was a CISO for one of the organization. And uh, before or just when I joined the company, they, di they didn't have anything. Forget the threat hunting part. They didn't even had uh, the normal SIM solution or a SOC solution. They had some basic logging, which they were doing it. And the scenario came into a place where one of the employee uh, uh, was uh, been targeted uh, or, or his or her account was was compromised and they didn't even know that their account has been password has been breached or been known to others and of course there was some basic hygiene check not been done including the uh, multi-factor authentication and that particular person had also uh, uh, one of the transportation card which we use here in in uh, in, in australia or some other part of the world where they were using but the scenario what happened is the there were multiple card being used under under that person account and it was very difficult for us to identify that who is harvesting or creating that kind of a database from from the backend system and creating and and and, and making the whole uh, uh, fake cards and selling into the dark web so there was a need to understand all our supply chain as well that who who are other people who are accessing this kind of data and all and there were multiple parties involved in that part so if you map it back to your uh, mitra tech framework we need to understand that which uh, account was used or what technique was used for uh, identifying or escalating the privilege initial initial account what technique was used for getting the data out you know what technique was used for uh, for for doing other activities as per the framework so by creating that by utilizing that Mitra tech framework and doing the manual hunting, it took number of months to identify what went wrong and where 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 are the adversaries are having their foothold into the environment. But after after weeks and months of investigation, we were able to identify all that and fix and plug uh, all the loop, all the open holes what we had it, and then we started looking at it that no, we need to correct log ingestion from all the various places and have a proactive way of uh, uh, utilizing it based on behavior that if somebody's accounts is being used outside Australia, then there's something is wrong. And we want that kind of an alert on that and go and further investigate on that. So lots of use cases were created out of that. Uh, uh, and a lot of automation has been done because it was not humanly possible to look at everything every day in the morning, which used to be six years back. If you ask me, this is what my team used to do. SOC operation team, they come in on site, they start the work at nine o'clock till nine to 11. What they use is just go through everything. We call it start of the day check checklist. They do everything and only then take go for a first coffee break. But you can't do it today. The amount of log we ingest today, if they start doing manual check checklist from morning to evening, they will be doing only that. Forget about everything else. So that's where the we, we you need to bring in the resources like uh, use cases, create the runbook and a playbook for the most common attack uh, techniques and let it run automatically by the time you come in the morning, the dashboard is ready for you to go and use your human intelligence to dig further on that part. Yeah. I hope that uh, answers your question, Sean. Yes, or organizing the chaos. Yes, organizing <laughs> the chaos. That, that's what artificial intelligence is for, right? So. <laughs> well, I think that, that can amplify the chaos if you don't have <laughs> the model and the framework. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you, yeah, if you, you're if back you, to riding you, lightning there, Marco. 
if you build it with bias, that is a chaotic artificial <laughs> yeah. intelligence, they're going to have a problem with bias. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's let's jump into the future with that. So you you, you said uh, your last chapter, a couple of chapters, they are about what are we facing coming ahead of us. What's that? So um, so this uh, in the last chapter we called out some of the specific technology uh, that could potentially influence the the threat handling, um, uh, you know, uh, technology in the future or the way we are doing threat handling. Um, and we called out some specific examples there. So a quantum computer may be one of them could potentially influence. Uh, the other one is uh, uh, AI, which is going to be hugely influenced because once we pull the information right now, it's a huge amount of manual intervention required to analyze the data. I think in the future it could be automated and AI technology could be a better uh, solution to really analyze the data with certain patterns and uh, you know uh, that we develop under the AI technology. That really could really save a lot of time and uh, as, at the same time, uh, we can develop more use cases uh, and, and, and scenario based on that experience. So that's, a, that's a, one or two specific example how the future technology could potentially influence uh, threat handling. Uh, the third one we also call out the blockchain technology coming into the cybersecurity space gradually. And uh, this is going to be heavily influencing in the threat handling in the long-term uh, perspective. So, uh, and the last one we mentioned about, like I mentioned earlier, regulators, basically, they may really come and guide or put up some guidance to the uh, enterprises to make sure that everyone uh, takes care of threat handling and having a right framework in place having the right level of uh, capability to build in so that uh, we can minimize the digital risk uh, from an enterprise and B2B standpoint. So this, we are kind of giving these kind of heads up to the enterprises and uh, small, medium business to consider. Um, and also the practitioners, right? I mean, like me and Abbas and Dan, everyone in the field, uh, the practitioners to know about, hey, you know, what's coming up? How do we leverage this technology uptrend uh, to be part of our daily conversation, right? I think that's an important thing because it's kind of a, a dynamic nature uh, that we need to keep up to date on this development and pick the right one. There are many more, but we can't really focus hundreds of technology, but take the most important one, maybe top three, top five of them, and make it sure that's part of the daily conversation and educate the audience to make sure that they are taking some kind of actions on these trends. And I'm... I'm going to guess there's a, a current trend taking place that's also going to uh, take us into the future. And you, you kind of touched on it briefly, uh, boss. And before I pass the ball to Diana for maybe her final thoughts on this, I know you mentioned assumed breach, which means my mind, zero trust. <laughs> so I know, I don't know if you touch on it in this book, but I know you're working on another book all about zero trust and what's the connection what's the story with that that you're working on yeah so absolutely we have touched upon a little bit on the threat hunting book about zero trust and what what is the relationship between threat hunting and the zero trust at a very high level and that's what triggered the idea about looking at, at the market the zero trust has become now now another digital transformation everyone talks about it right and when I looked out in the market, uh, except for one or two books, which are very network-centric or, or product-centric, we couldn't find anything which could uh, 
person can utilize and read end to end in terms of what zero trust is, what are the various framework about it, what can be done for the implementation, what, what lesson can be learned by doing implementation, what could be a project plan, and what are the other areas which we can look at, uh, look at uh, within zero trust. So myself and Benil uh, again got partnered together. We had a brainstorming in terms of what do you think of our next book? Uh, we got hooked on writing after the first book. And he said, yeah, let's write Zero Trust. That's an interesting topic. And I have been talking about Zero Trust for more than two and a half years now uh, after joining Microsoft. And all the lesson which I learned by discussing this kind of uh, scenarios with our customer, I had lots of uh, uh, learning from the field. So we articulated that into, into a book, which is right now in progress. Uh, hopefully by end of this month, the content will be finished. And it will go to our publisher, CRC Press, who is going to uh, fine tune and, and correct language and uh, uh, put in a nice flow. And hopefully early next year, we see that on the shelf uh, uh, talking about zero trust. You want to add anything, Vinil? No, I think it's an amazing change. That's exactly what I want to say, because it's a very timely engagement between myself and Abbas. And uh, I think uh, this is a, like uh, when Diana pointed out early, it's a needed conversation to have it. So Ted Hunting was a very interesting journey. And like we are going to take another one together, which is a zero trust. It's a wherever you go, you talk about security, cybersecurity, zero trust is one of the top three topics everyone asks. I think it's very timely engagement. That's um, I'm looking forward to see that happening. There is a drinking game going on with that. Every time you say zero <laughs> trust, you have it. You, you should be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Diane, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll ask you to close this. And uh, on your opinion, why is this book so important, both for practitioners and business owners and line of business to to understand the risks that there are in the clouds? At first, I gotta say, you guys are amazing for going from one book to the next. Because when Ed and I finish a book, we're like, "Oh no, we need like a few years for a break." So, your fortitude is very, uh, very impressive, and it's a great, great, important book. Why, why the threat hunting book is again, you know, as as a boss and Benil have have laid out, and and Chris, their third co-author, the importance of. Right now, attacks, you were asking, Marco, what can go wrong in the cloud? Well, where's all of our business happening? Where's our most sensitive data happening? Where, where are the workloads to fuel our business happening? They're all happening in the cloud. So in order to understand the risk to our business and our organization, we must be able to look for threats proactively, right? Because we we can we know once we've got an indicator of compromise what to go look for, but we also have to look for those indicators that, of attack, you know, like things like they're building persistence by creating new accounts in the directory. Other proactive tells that indicate that somebody's in the network. And remember, your network is now multi-cloud. And that's why and there just was not a book that, that really covered that. So a great thank you from the community for the work that, that the authors, Benil and Abbas and Chris, who's not with us, have done, because that, that's why we need it. Our, our businesses are now multi-cloud we must threat hunt to protect them multi-cloud. Yep, I'm, I'm glad you said multi-cloud. I was gonna say clouds with a Z. <laughs> more than one. No, and, and I wanna echo what Diana said. Thank you both and, and Chris who uh, wasn't able to join us, but uh, the three of you putting this together and uh, getting your, your, your uh, forward stamp from Diana is always a, a nice touch to have as well. 
cherry on the top. I'm thrilled she was able to, <laughs> to uh, participate here. So this is really cool. I mean, seriously, for those listening, th- th- there's something in here for you. <laughs> there's no <laughs> question. Uh, even if it's just the, the TTPs and, and looking at a framework and uh, absorbing that, uh, if that's if that's where you are with your security program. But then obviously, if you want a full multi-clouds with the Z uh, program that takes in all this stuff, uh, this is the book to look at. So thank you all for uh, sharing us, sharing with us your journey to why you wrote this and how, how it's written and how folks can use it. And there'll be notes. There will. Link, links to the Link book. to the book, of course. Otherwise, don't take our words for it. Yeah, read it yourself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right on. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll see you. Archer on empowers organizations to manage multiple dimensions of risk on one platform with on premises and software as a service offerings and quickly implement industry standard processes and best practices for advanced risk management maturity, informed decision making, and enhanced business performance. Learn more at archerirm.com. ITRUST is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. Learn more at HighTrustAlliance.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Security Podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.